0: As always, I like to sometimes use. Does that make sense? As always, I'd like to sometimes. In high school, I had this phrase uh, that that my friend Mason, who I think both of you have met, uh, he noted several times that I'd use this, and I said uh, it's a small abundance, which I guess is that is that that's a paradox. Uh, I think is paradox what you use to describe contradictory words in a phrase, or or not.
1: I think of it's just a very difficult problem or question, but uh I, I don't know. I, I guess I would fall into the category of it.
0: I don't I don't have my strunken and White uh, handy. Anyways, uh well, I almost forgot what I was talking about there. I dug <laughs> down into a hole so deep.
2: Oh. EB e, e, White. Strunk yes, White.
0: Yes. Thank you. I like to use uh, I like to use this time every now and then to get some advice. Now I have gone back to reading three-dimensional books. Uh, you know, paper, paper book. Paper books, yes, uh, rather than flat ones. Yeah, which which the the disadvantage. You you if if you may not realize this if you haven't read uh, a a paper book in a while, you actually need light to read it. That that is a requirement. (laughs) Which that's that's you know it's 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 interesting because I started reading it and I realized that like we've kind of built our life around the assumption that you don't need light to read a book, right? So we don't have bedside lights or anything like that because you don't need them anyways. I want to get some advice. I started reading uh Confederacy of Dunces, which I've never read, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm about halfway through it and I feel like I'm going back and forth about if I should keep reading it cuz it's very well written and uh it's it's entertaining, but I'm just not sure that right now in my life I need such like negativity and cynicism and sarcasm, right? Like I feel <laughs> like I feel like I'm pegged out on that in my own head. And so, but I don't, I, I mean, is this, this is, so this is my question is, is like, is reading a book, is that going uh, to, the, the, the content of the book, is that going to affect my mood or am I going to be able to just handle it and I can just go through the, the <laughs> other 150 pages yeah. or so that I have?
2: Uh, all right, guys. Well, the clock's run out on your therapy session, so let, let, let's get down to this. Um, That's right. <laughs> I, I uh, as, <laughs> as someone who's been in a fairly negative space uh, off and on. Um, I would avoid it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. me. I, I got enough negativity already. I don't need more. Um, so, uh, I'd say stop reading it. I mean, okay. and, and, uh, do you feel like it's when you finish it, are you going to be like, "Whoo, check that off the bucket list? Right. Yeah. You, no, you know, I don't know. I think the
1: very I, nature, the the fact that you're asking the question, I think this would be the true therapist answer. The fact that you're asking the question probably reveals it. Like if you are stressing or, even contemplating the fact that this book is maybe going to either bring you stress or has already brought you stress. I think sure, you can sure. safely say, put this one on the shelf, pick I it up think, at a, late, a later date uh, and a time that you're in a better headspace to enjoy it. I think. It would I, be think I
0: think. Okay. Okay. I think, I think you both are onto something. And also uh, I think, I think your phrasing there, Brandon has given me, a great framing of how to further excuse not starting an exercise regimen because I have <laughs> a lot of doubts about it, and I Way think like, do, should I st- keep doing this, uh, or you know, should should I do it? And like, I think uh, as as the therapist would say, the the fact that you're answering this question, wait, the fact so, that you're asking this question answers sure. it already.
1: I'll just say though, Doctor Skateboard would probably uh, give you different uh, medical advice on the working out. So so it will yeah. I guess it depends on exactly which kind of doctor you see. So that yeah, yeah. potentially contradictory
2: uh, type of, or to to the earlier point, a paradox of advice. Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Are you still using SSH keys, RDP logins, and database credentials? Do you have a worn-out Post-it note with all your passwords on it? Well, it's time to access your infrastructure like it's no longer 1999. StrongDM is the only modern infrastructure access platform. It creates a seamless, secure, and observable air gap between your staff and the critical infrastructure that powers your company. With StrongDM, you can instantly revoke access to every database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. You can automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to know who did what, when, and where across your stack. And you can eliminate credentials from end-user workflows to deploy access that's zero trust and least privileged by default. Trusted by the fine folks at Betterment, Peloton, SoFi, and Chime, StrongDM is the only way to deploy secure access controls in a way folks love to use. Don't take my word on it. Check out StrongDM for yourself with a free demo. Sign up at StrongDM.com slash SDT. That's StrongDM.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show.
0: Well, there's a bunch of earnings out again. And, uh, you know, I was, I was reviewing the uh, the excellent list of material that our community here collects together in our Slack channel, which you can join if lot. you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 342, or just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and click on the Slack link up there. Everyone's always nicely cataloging stuff. Uh, you know, I was, I was thinking on that topic. I, I still subscribe to a bunch of RSS feeds, but like the tech news ones that I read, like there's very little crossover with the stuff that people find and post. So I don't know. Maybe I should subscribe to less tech news feeds because they're not really good anymore. I don't know where the tech news is anymore. I just I can't find it. I'm in some parallel dimension.
2: It's in software-defined talks.
0: <laughs> That's right. Anyways, so I was looking through all the earnings uh, posts, and it's just like I, you know, uh, you know, Microsoft makes a ton of money here. Google makes all this money here and they split their stock. Everyone, everyone's making, even Docker's making tons of money yeah. relative to, to nothing. And, uh, and then, of course, Apple makes lots of money. And, and I, was, I was scrolling through it this morning. Was it this morning? Yeah, I think it was. I was, I was a little too hungover this morning. Uh, but I was, I was reading it and I was thinking, like, I don't know what to do with this anymore. It's no like, kidding. I'm going to see another earnings thing. And it's like, oh, look, they made $50 billion. Things are going great. And so Uh I think, I think maybe, I think, Brandon, you might remember some sort of uh, 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 bias or thinking slow fast name for this or something. (laughs) But I feel like we need to switch the earning things to be like, I only want to hear when it's bad. If it's good, I can skip it.
2: Even when it's good, it's bad. I mean, some, you know, the stock market's like, well, sure, you made $50 billion, but we wanted 51. and you know or or like you know microsoft reports earnings are up and their stock price drops nobody's sure why it's like
0: (sighs) it's priced it's priced in matt ray it's priced in that's right
1: well that's the way i guess the reason i kind (laughs) of put these in here are the reason i kind of if you will i think once a quarter it's good looking at it is sort of uh just kind of the old like red yellow green kind of thing so what Mm. i think we care about is change if something changes significantly in any direction so in the case of Microsoft, I, I would just say, you know, it's very much what the story we've seen before. So I would say the notable thing here is like nothing changed. Microsoft, Azure is still doing well, probably on a run rate of around 40 billion. So that's firmly second. AWS will announce later this week. So they'll probably be at 65, 70 billion dollar run rate. That'll be, you know, if that was to be suddenly a lot higher, a lot smaller. We'll take note of it. But otherwise, that's about the same. And then yeah. Alphabet, you know, of course, Google Cloud is about, you know, it's about at a twenty twenty two billion dollar run rate. So, so I think the thing that's notable is just like nothing's changed, right? So it's just like at least in the cloud world, those three large well, companies yeah. continue to do what they do. No, we're not seeing any significant change in there, and I think we probably would only care in a, a new way if we're like, wow, Microsoft's overtaking Google, AWS or Google's overtaking. Well, there, or there, vice versa, some or IBM or something fault comes out of nowhere. <laughs> then then we suddenly be like, "Wow, that's that's true."
2: That's, I, that I, I really nobody's talking about IBM, um, I, right?
0: I think, I think that's right. It's monitoring uh, the change that's like uh, out of the ordinary that at this point becomes uh, yeah. more
2: interesting. It, it's it's a it's a slow moving horse race, and but but like the narratives are kind of set right. It's like AWS is the you know the gigantor, and Azure is you know slowly eating into their market and Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. getting closer and and google has passed this threshold where like nobody really thinks that they would shut it down because they make so much money but you know they're they're the the strong third and yeah the nothing about the earnings has refuted that narrative and you know so like well what do we do with this not much right mm. yeah now i do
1: think from a macro to like put on our macro uh stock market hat is like obviously lots of stocks in the stock market in general depending on where you invested uh, many of them are down certainly some of the, like the high growth companies like zoom and uh lots of i know lots of that they've they've basically significantly um taken big hits in their valuation so it's interesting here that like whatever we want to call these like the big three and you can throw apple in there just that these like the mega, mega caps, for the most part, they've held up, right? Like their stock prices aren't down quite as much and their earnings are as good as ever. Now, of course, a lot of the earnings suffer outside of cloud, right? You know, Microsoft's office business and operating systems is doing great. Alphabet's games, doing great in advertising. Um, Apple's doing great on everything. You know, even Matt Ray went in for a full enterprise purchase. He went with four iPhones, <laughs> four or five iPhones and a couple laptops this year. So so I yes, think it's just laptops. from uh of Like the macro state, it's just like, wow, the biggest companies in the world continue to do great, and while some of the smaller companies, even even if they're barely big in market cap-wise, are still uh, – are not experiencing the same kind of growth. So that's kind of just interesting. I guess it's just sort of like – you know, it's, it just pays to be like a super successful company. Right. It seems like none of these companies can be stopped for a while. And it's also interesting, I think, cause they are tied to cloud, but just like they all have these huge profit senators outside of cloud for the most part. Right. So that's also yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, you know, so I guess, you know, the news, right. Is maybe just current course and speed. Nothing's changed. Good to know. Um, and then of course you do have something like the Docker thing I thought was kind of interesting. The fact that they got to 50 million ARR. I mean, that's sort of like going on the opposite side, but I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I think, I don't know. i would kind of written them off as like, you'll never hear about that again. So I know they've completely revamped themselves and it's a completely different company, but that's impressive, right? You don't see a company necessarily rise up for like a second act. Now I don't think they'll ever get to be, you know, where maybe they once aspired to whatever that, you know, Microsoft uh, offer was for them. But they definitely have built a really solid developer business. At least in the near term, Yeah.
2: is it is it twenty to one the, the unicorn status marker?
1: Uh, what's what are you talking about? 20, <laughs>
2: <what? laughs> 20, 20 uh, X sales makes you a unicorn. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I guess you're. What like what are they built? Yeah, I mean, are they at a yeah. billion dollars? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, good question. Good question about like what Docker's overall valuation is. I don't think it's that big, but maybe we'll see.
0: Well, I think I think Brandon. After after that explanation, I think you should start doing like daily, a week daily. <laughs> uh, you need to do like a, a, a three minute on Twitter, just three minute close of markets commentary. I, I think, <laughs> and and maybe just, right. just you don't even Everything make a chart. Is the same, right? Everything's the same. And you just need to uh, you just need to have have a chart that's kind of like the movers that comes from somewhere. And, and uh-huh. he, or or actually, just set up just set up uh, um, you know the software defined talk like a uh, tech pack and uh, <laughs> a five minute this, thing. You can probably do that in Google sheets. In fact, I know you can, there's, you know, there's a macro to look up share price. So you can just uh, flash that up and just give some commentary and then we're, and, we're, uh, be out
2: every well, single day. I thought of you Kote.
0: <laughs> I,
1: I heard this, um, this explanation. So I like, there's this various like people that do s- multiples. Like, you know, what, what, mm-hmm. what should the multiple be? And we talk about that all the time. So I was listening to this other podcast. Can't remember the name of it now, but this person said, all um, all valuation is, is you take basically the current revenue, right? And then you multiply it by some story and that becomes your your multiple. That's it, right? So it's that's just- pretty good. And I was like, and it's like, I mean, because he was a very advanced investor. And they, but the way he broke it down, I was like, yeah, that's really what all it is. It's just about current earnings times the story, right? Gives you the multiple of what this should be. And the story can be, and you know, if the story is, this is going to grow- forever and you know and people believe it, it is going to give you this high multiple if the story is we actually believe the company's going out of business because something's going to happen it'll give you kind of a negative multiple and i was just like i just thought it was a very simple but very powerful way to think of it it is it is kind of the story you tell yourself about the company or the market tells itself and that's how you get to a multiple so um i don't know maybe that's like because it came from such an experienced investor i was like wow that seems like like if I just thought of that myself, I'd be like, "That's stupid." But the way he said it, I was like, "That's great." I was like, "I totally bought off on that." So, so it is. It's just the story you want to tell yourself, or tell the story about the company. Um, and if you believe the story is undervalued, if you believe it's going to grow a lot, that's why you would, pay, you know, overpay for something. So see, I see that that
0: could be that could be in your three minute commentary. Yeah, right there. there you go. you you, you would, it would start off and be like, oh, "I'm Brandon Wichard with your end of day market report." And because uh, 'cause you'd start talking like that. And then and then uh you know, once you introduce yourself it'll do that that kind of like that thing where like the screen changes and there's some chrome <laughs> thing that like That's right. rotates and flashes. It needs a sound right? effect. Yeah. And then yeah. and then you're back on you're like you're like, yeah, you know, movers whoosh. and shakers. And yeah, then like and it. then there's another whoosh and it's like and it'll be like Brandon's take. And then it's like I heard on such and such podcasts that blowuation is revenue times story. <laughs> there you go. There it you would go. have been stupid if I said it, but it sounded pretty it smart did. coming from him.
1: Well, it is. Once you start to apply that, then you can apply it to things you see. Because like this week, everyone's really down on Facebook for probably lots of reasons that people already know about. And so they got crushed, right? The, the, the story times Facebook's earnings, not good. Right yeah, you know, people, yeah. people don't like it. And then whereas all these other companies we went through, people like the story, like, especially Google. It's like, yeah, that advertising search business, pretty great. So Apple, same thing with Apple. If Matt Ray is buying five iPhones and in, in one quarter and you know, he, that, you know, that, that is yeah. a good anecdotal sign that the story yeah. behind Apple is good.
0: And just think of all the people uh, maybe we'll play this in the after show, but we had an extensive discussion of file sharing services and uh think of all the people who listen to this podcast who are now going to switch to the uh the apple plan 20 to $30. Sorry, sorry box yeah yeah i, I forgot about them box they, they they were like the big enterprise uh storage. zoom people.
2: box can, can be yours for a song
0: yeah yeah all right well that th- you know looks like looks like there's a lot of valuation out there you got your stocks <laughs> stocks going up stocks going down stocks all around that that would be my guest commentary maybe i'll come in
2: (laughs) in. and then you're like and i'm out and like damn it now i gotta come up i got 24 hours to come up with another like useless sentence (laughs) perfect that's perfect i
0: i I, I, any anytime there is a uh anytime the market is closed because of a holiday i'll be your guest uh your guest video person you know
2: it's it's kind of in-depth commentary
0: yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like the um, you know the Economist has this like weekend edition or something that is just like I guess it, whatever it's the style section when when uh, there's no business
2: <laughs> business living <laughs> that's right uh,
0: howdy gentlemen have you considered shoes with no laces Let me tell you a little bit about that as a lifestyle
2: Yeah, well uh, speaking of lifestyles,
0: <laughs> yes. So it, it looks it looks like uh, out there in the world there is still a lot of pondering of what to do about uh, security and open source software. And uh, I didn't go read it, but I I think there was a, it was was just the week where there was a wall street journal opinion piece by, by big tech people, Eric Schmidt and someone else. So it's, we're we're getting like uh, getting lots of visibility into this and you know, people are doing things here and there. Stocks go up, stocks go down, tide goes in, tide (laughs) goes out. And, I, I, you know, when I was when I was thinking about this this morning, I was thinking, you know, and this is this is especially especially good product management stuff. Is is what, and I don't mean this in an expansive, useless way, but like, what is it we collectively think needs to go on here? Because I think people want their software to be more secure, right? Yeah. But. But what that means, now you've, you've product managed a few things here and there, Brandon. And I know you, Matt Ray, you, you've planned things in your life <laughs> and made trade-offs.
2: Not, not as much as you might think. You this <laughs> second.
0: But, you know, if you do more of one thing, that means you do less of another thing. So I think what I feel like maybe what people are saying is like, let's, let's have a few less features and instead have more security. And, like, is everyone cool with that? Because we've kind of been existing in the software world with, like, we want to maximize features and then clean up the mess afterwards. But maybe now there's a shift going on that, like, oh, we're willing to sacrifice features because uh, we want the security.
2: I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's sacrifice so much as bring awareness, right? So I think, mm. I think right now there are a lot of people using a lot of software who don't know what their problems are. And they wait till, you know, there's a fancy new webpage that announces it. And then they're like, oh my gosh, let me go look and see what we actually use. And what I feel, you know, people are trying to do is like, all right, we need to set up a foundation and they're going to go and see what open source software people are using. And we're going to proactively go and kick the tires and look around at this stuff. And, you know, they're already... They're already like CVE channels and stuff like that. But I think my, my take on this, or at least what I want it to be, um, <laughs> maybe I'm projecting here, there is, is they're, they're going to go and say, like, what kind of software do people use? Who's responsible for it? And, you know, is it actually being maintained? And mm. But even like that Log4J thing, people are just using an old out-of-date version. Whose fault is that?
1: Yeah, yeah 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 well i did think you know coach A, we had been talking about it and uh somebody pinged me in the slack chris over at uh, cto over at uh uh what cncf and other things you know he's he said you because know, we were talking about like gosh it'd be great if like there was some you know something set up and of course like like everything it's like turns out there is so the open source security foundation i guess has been out there and i guess this week or i saw this announcement um recently and says that they've started the alpha omega project so it's kind of interesting that the theory behind it is i guess the alpha part of it is that they're going to essentially you know if you will work with the maintainers of the most critical open source projects to help them identify security vulnerabilities. so that's sort of step one is like what's most widely used Mm -hmm. and providing Mm -hmm. some support around those most critical uh, open source projects and get them, you know, if you will, secured, at least, you know, doing all the best practices. Or at least and then, find,
2: finding who's responsible for them. Yeah. That, I, I think that's been a problem for some of these projects.
1: Well, this one on the alpha, if you're in the alpha category, I think it's not only is it finding that, but it's actually doing, it. like, I read it as like offering. Really trying. Oh, to yeah, help yeah, yeah. Actually I mean, having I, someone doing, you know, and then I, the,
2: identify and then make sure they're, you know, financially compensated to maintain this. Yeah, stuff. do
1: something right, and then the omega side of it. Uh, you know, I didn't come up with these names, so it's I guess it's fine. But omega is part of the project is uh, they're trying to identify kind of the long tail. So up to ten thousand widely deployed open source projects. So there's, I guess, committees that are going to ultimately determine like which bucket you're in. But at least, you know, on these 10,000, I think the goal there is to provide some level of automation and security analysis for kind of the long tail projects. So at least, you know, you you can get some of these long tail projects doing, you know, if you will, the minimal or the basics of security. Um, So I thought that was like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess it remains to be seen whether or not like this will take hold, but I thought like the idea behind it was good. You know, this idea that like, Hey, there's critical uh, projects and there's kind of the long ones now, you know, it's like, I don't know if we consider this good or bad. Microsoft and Google are both supporting uh, alpha and omega with an initial investment of 5 million. I think that's a total investment. So I think it's 2.5 million for each. So I don't know, but I mean, on one hand, that's a lot of money depending on how you look at it. But at the other hand, it's like, the problem is so big that, you know, maybe that should be like, could you put $50 million in here? Is that crazy talk right around having people really do it? But, but at least you have a centralized place where people, because I think as we talked about last time, I know we mentioned as like, Hey, you know, a lot of times people don't really need the money. They need people helping. So think of this money as actually funding people to go become a maintainer and do all the security work. Like, I think if we got to that level, then maybe we're getting to the point that we really are securing things. But again, time will tell.
2: I mean, Microsoft and GitHub you know, same same-ish company, but um, you know, them throwing ten million dollars at it—that's great and all, but like GitHub's already got a lot of automated tooling, and you know, it it if the, and and GitHub is well positioned to go and identify you know ten thousand-ish projects that you know are are popular, and but the the problem is like they can you know stick these automated tools on things and it sends a whole bunch of like oh you know this code needs this and this and this, but whether or not the maintainers pay attention to that is kind of the problem, right There's already a ton of freely available tooling that will give you all sorts of warnings and you know highlighting syntax and you know potential you know issues and stuff, but it's like that's just adding overhead as a as a maintainer. You know, is it something you actually want to follow up on? Do you, do you care enough to do it? You know? um, Yeah. Yeah. So to your point, God, I think
1: to your original question, because I think, I think, I think it begs the question, what Matt you're saying there is like, that's good. This infrastructure is good, but like, you still, at the end of the day, like somebody has to make it a priority and has to really care. And, and, and you can't just, just funding. I mean, I'm talking not just about Microsoft, Google, but like as an industry, just trying to write a check and then make it someone else's problem, right? That's where the problem is, right? You have to, like, at some yeah. point you have to say, I'm willing to manage a team. I'm going to put some people on there that want to be maintaining the software and they they completely are okay with being compensated for doing security stuff. Like, at some point somebody has to do that, right? And, that, and until the, that happens nothing really will change. Well,
2: and, and there's going to be, have to be some sort of, you know, support organization that, you know, okay, we've got our 10,000 projects. We're going to go and identify them. And, you know, the first hundred, we've identified the maintainers, been in contact with them. They're cool. They're like, we got this. Thanks for thanks for checking in. And then you're going to have this whole list of like, well, the next thousand, there are, you know, these projects, we can't find anybody for them. You know, or, or the maintainer like blew us off or, you know, you know they they took the repo private or something and so then you're like now what do we do and, and mm-hmm. so th- there's this whole like triage support organization that has to be like well we have to identify a new maintainer or you know mark this project as you know like high risk right that's the first thing is, high risk yeah yeah, yeah. For,
1: the first step would just be awareness like this is a high risk project just for the, some of the reasons you outlined. and then if and then say like hey if if people care right then some to your point like someone that maybe fund it or, or find someone start doing some type of recruiting, let people know that, Hey, there is an opportunity here and find someone that has interests aligned. But, but that's but, a but, lot of work in itself.
2: Yeah. Although well, that, that's a ton of work and, and, you know, kind of interesting work uh, as far as like community outreach and stuff goes. But then the question is like, what do you do when you get to, you know, like the, the recent, uh, uh, what was it? The color JS guy, uh, you know, who kind of belligerently. Yeah, like uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you fork? stuff under the, under the banner of the open SSF and, and, you know, this is the, this is the new way, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, do, do you're like, well, that maintainer can't be responsible for their own code. We're, we're, mm. we're taking it as a uh, the, new, thought. <laughs> the new hosts. Yeah. Well, I, you know,
0: I think, I, I think maybe what, you know, I think the fat 5 million might be enough to like set up, like if you commit to the top 500 open source projects, you can enroll on your birthday, you'll get like a free uh, USB C cable sent to you, but you have to sign, sign for it. you have to sign for it at the door, so that at least once a year, you'll know that this person is alive and you can verify their signature. And all it costs you, and this isn't like the full on data USB C oh, cable. This it's is like a gas fantastic. station USB C cable, and that way you at least are collecting that the person's alive or not, uh, and and is at some domicile or, or
2: address. <laughs> You've got a mailing address. It's fantastic. I love
1: it. I love your uh, in-person verification (laughs) idea. Yeah. Well, you know, so I guess I've come back to, I think the only way this ever gets the money it probably deserves is if someone connects the dots between pick your latest out, pick the latest vulnerability log for J or I think something's even newer. I forgot what the name of it is, but um, if someone drew the connection was like, look, look how much money we spend after the fact as an industry. However, it's probably hundreds of millions, billion, depending on like which one, it's a lot, right? And I think unless someone connects the dots, like, hey, we can either spend this money in a huge sums after the fact, or we can you know, proactively uh, do some of this upfront and save ourselves some money. So until someone can kind of draw that line and make that case to a bunch of executives that want to fund this, like it's tough sledding yeah. here for sure.
0: Yeah. 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 It's I when I was thinking, you know, it's uh, the analogy doesn't work very well. But like when uh, when everyone decided or was forced to put like car seats, car seats, car seat belts in cars like that, it it seems like a similar thing. Right. Because like it seems like I mean, I wasn't really alive at the time or (laughs) cognizant, but like cars didn't used to have seatbelts. And then I think like, you know, everyone freaked out about safety, not really security, but a similar thing. And now all cars have seatbelts. And, you know, in order to do that, I don't know what they call them at car companies, but the product managers there had to be like, well, I guess we're not going to uh, work on smoother fins this year because we got to spend all that time on these goddamn seatbelts and how to like <laughs> latch them into the car and and i w- i was gonna have like the uh the color design people come up with a new color for the uh the hubcaps but now they got to figure out what color these seatbelts are going to be and so i mean you know you got limited resources so you make a decision not to ship a feature that have this <laughs> well, uh this safety the, the,
2: thing. The, but but the 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 more telling thing is everybody knew it was a problem and right, right, just, and and, that's, and they're that's, like earnings says we're not going to focus on right, that. and and, we're and so keep that doing what and, we're doing, and and like that's, I, that's more like the real industry. Like like I like I was
0: saying the the analogy is not great. It's just like oh, it was reminding great. me of this <laughs> in the sense of yeah, exactly. Like everyone knows is a problem, but they don't they don't address it. I guess
1: well, no, it's you just I actually think that. it's kind of fascinating you're talking about, because I think the story of seatbelts as I might get something wrong is that Robert McNamara, well, I think before he got into the government, he worked at GM and they did all this like statistical analysis of everything. And so anyway, I mean, he calculated the human cost, the, basically the number of deaths from, uh, from not, you know, not having seatbelts. Uh, seat right. And so that's where where it all came from. And then they finally got uh, it in and it's, and then, you know, it, it's attributed to saving, you know, millions of lives at this point, like a lot. Right. And so, but it took, I mean, even with uh, life and death on the line, right. To your point, Cote, it still took a while for it to actually happen. So, it's kind of a good, I don't know, it just kind of shows you even when all the data uh, makes it an obvious choice, it's not, it's, it doesn't mean it just happens. And there's probably lots of current examples that we won't get into that you can yes. think of I mean, around yeah, the same so thing.
0: Right. So I mean, I guess, I guess the, other, mm-hmm. the other blocker is just inertia, right? People yeah. prioritize inertia. As like, why, why do anything? Boy, as I get older, that, that's, that's my, my motto. I have that tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> why do anything? Why do anything?
1: <laughs> why do anything? Do less. I like it.
0: Why mm. does anyone do anything?
2: On a special nihilistic uh, episode of SDGs. <laughs> oh, man.
0: <laughs> well, uh, just as a brief mention, you know, if, if you listen to this show, you, you might be interested in the long history of, of software stuff. It, it looks like Citrix is going private. And oh. they're going to be combined together with uh, TIBCO to uh to have some kind of synergies we'll just move on from that see how that goes you,
2: but but the the best part of that acquisition is tibco citrix are now a superpower located under cloud.com
1: that's yeah. right yeah. That, that is the funniest thing <laughs> i is, wonder that if, is the best they still own i guess we'll quickly check it. uh i assume they citrix must. still owns cloud.com i mean that's a great yeah it is it's citrix workspace is where it redirects do you, do you
0: know do you know that our, our old friend peter ulander so yeah. He he credits me with with uh, coming up with that idea. I remember I was on <laughs> I was on a call and he's like, We don't really know what to call this thing and I was like, You should just call it cloud.com.
1: All right, well Here's I'll invite that. everyone to go listen to my interview with Shannon Williams, uh, who uh, it's in the back catalog, who was there as well, where I asked him explicitly who where did the cloud.com name come from. What? And I believe at this point there are fifteen different Uh, People that uh, lay claim to it. So, Kote, I'm adding you to the list, right? That's good. That's good. I think Hinkle's in there. (laughs) I think uh, our uh, friend from Sun, I just forgot his name. The the their CMO at one point did it. So, so whoever did it, good job. It was a good uh, a good idea.
2: (laughs) And 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 may this you know. Unholy alliance of Citrix and Tibco weigh on your soul. <laughs> yeah,
1: everyone I, I, no I no like, takes credit for that. No one takes care, credit for the actual uh, the the actual underlying products at this point. It's oh, yeah, yeah, like
2: ah, yeah.
0: oh,
1: no one really yeah. talks about that. They're just like, but let me tell you the story of how I got cloud.com, yeah. How oh, I figured it out for you.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. They're, they're, I, I like I like the idea that there's more people who claim to have had that idea than there are characters in the domain name. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was a good it was a good name. I'm, I'm surprised if it was, was it available when you were talking about it like the no, fact he, that nobody had, registered it. That's He had, he had crazy. to
0: he had to buy it from someone, but I think he yeah. got a got yeah, a got yeah. a pretty good deal.
1: I think that company is worth half as much if it's not named cloud.com. Just oh, I don't okay. even know what the number is anymore, but I'm just like just that's a 50% discount because you came up with some like arbitrary name that didn't have anything to do with cloud.
2: Now, I, and, and 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 as uh, as Facebook has shown renaming Something bad can half your stock price too.
1: <laughs> true, that's true. It can go the other way for you. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, this is just a dumb idea to rename that company. It's so weird. It Doesn't make any <sighs> sense. Yeah, uh, and that too. Well, I, and then and then I think I think another another uh, the, Tim Bray didn't yes. didn't he invent XML or something? I I, I just he something invented like all, that. all sorts of good stuff. <laughs> and the uh, but but he he had a uh, he had a good write up that I think the three of us and other people who go and visit people to discuss their cloud strategy. It's, it was both delightful and a little painful to read, but his writing style always makes it nice and easy. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's like, he'll take some, some topic, except when he said he didn't, why he didn't like Amazon anymore, just kind of covers it. in that, that friendly Canadian white chocolate coating makes, makes it go down.
2: <laughs> white chocolate,
0: <laughs> Yeah. What's up with white chocolate? Nice. I, I think I looked up that white chocolate isn't even really chocolate or something. It's I forget. Me. Yeah. But he he kinda he kind of I think he kind of threw uh threw it all together there. Just uh he's got a good take on like your multi-cloud thinking. And I think it's basically whenever you're building your cloud stuff, let me see if I if I took notes extensively enough that I can remember what it was. I think basically he said, unless you're at a startup focused on growth, you should favor using the open source components that cloud vendors use. But you don't have to. It's just nice to like. (laughs) You should you should try to more or less like again. I use the word favor. You should lean towards using things that are based on open source things and standards because it'll be slightly easier to uh, move them uh, if if you're worried about lock in. And his point about the um, the uh, the high growth startup was that like you should totally just use whatever cloud you want and be all in on that one cloud because you you as a high growth startup want to like uh move fast as they say mm-hmm. and uh not have to worry about like uh long term problems in the present the the net present value of lock in i think is what you're focused on uh and so instead because you're a startup and you're looking to grow your valuation you should just like never mind lock in and all those other things and just build fully yeah, dedicated on the one that's stack that's
2: not a problem right and
0: and i like you know because uh, you know, one of my one of my uh, acquisition strategies, uh, uh, cynical ones, was the uh, was it the no no I forget. But you know, it's just like yeah sure, like how you're profitable is your acquirer's problem not yours. Mm-hmm. So like, basically that's, that's a good, a good way of passing down the, uh, the tech debt that you have, but it is true. It's also like, sometimes you don't have time to uh, worry about the future.
1: Well, He sort of addresses, I mean, to your point, right. He sort of addresses what happens in his multi-cloud statement. Cause I thought this was just, this is just sort of like the life I live. So I thought it was great. And he basically, when he talks about multi-cloud, he just says, you know, first let's establish this the fact of life more or less every large enterprise, public or private sector is already multi-cloud or soon will be. Why? for no other reasons, MA. And I think that's, that's right. I mean, like to me, it's like exactly right. That is, I mean, nobody starts out trying to like necessarily use everything, but to your point, they buy a high growth startup that is all in on a platform that they may not use. And suddenly they're multi-cloud. So, so I think his his point there, you know, very well taken.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're just in a large organization, that's not a tech company. You're just going to end up with a bunch of stuff. In, in uh, more traditional industries, I mean, I'm sure even Amazon. Maybe Amazon is really great at this, but they've acquired lots of big companies, and they must go through all sorts of. Uh, and I, I there's probably people right now who are like those goddamn Whole Foods ERP people, and and then and then like and then like the other direction into Amazon, where the Whole Foods people are like, our our POS systems are great. We've been making money this whole time. Why do we got to do this thing? And, yeah, you know, yeah.
2: Well, it, probably the worst would be. Microsoft acquiring mm. game companies right because yes. those game companies you know they're they're going to be really focused on ex- you know getting the most out of their client server connections and so a lot of times what happens in game companies is you know the the servers are written in whatever the clients are in so you know there's a lot of windows servers running behind the scenes for game companies because the clients were windows or you know or they were xbox and you know the the you know the servers were xbox Um, which meant like, you know, you have these, if you were acquiring a game company and you weren't Microsoft, you were now like, God damn it. What are we doing? All these windows servers, (laughs) where where are we going to run these, you know, cost effectively. But when you're buying a game company, like an Activision, you're buying, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of studios who all have their own boutique ways of doing things and to try to encourage them to, you know, use the same backend, you know, they they're, they're pushing. Some of them are pushing that problem off to you know middlemen, and there's a lot of middlemen software in, in gaming. But you know, it's that's a that's a morass to untangle. You know, that is that that's going to be a fun one for Activision. You know, because it just meant that like now Microsoft is a large Amazon and Google customer by mm. buying Activision.
0: Now, you now I want to throw out a couple more. I'm I I with all of this, I'm not I'm not seeking I'm not summarizing what what old Tim Bray there is saying. I'm just kind of telling you my, my thoughts and reactions, what are evoked in my mind, and there's a, there's two other things I think that are worth worth uh, going over. Well, first of all, we can uh, let me summarize. If you if you're a, if you're a high growth startup, just go all in on on one stack. Let me put it yep. that way. And then if you are a a large gigantic enterprise, you should again I'm going to generalize it. You should try to use standard things when possible and open source based things, but you know, they don't have to be perfect in open standard. It's just like, you want that flexibility. Uh, And, and then, and then the, the, the kind of um, seasoning on that, so to speak, is that like, you have to ask yourself, do I care about the world in three years? Probably maybe five, but if, if you care about what happens three to five years out, then you need to like, think about like options and multi-cloud and stuff. Otherwise just, just go full bore into there. Who cares? which you know that's a way of operating is fine and then the other thing that i think that i i forget if he explicitly goes over this but it was making me think that like the other thing is in an in a large organization let's call them an enterprise it's it's good to think about the the productivity of your people like the cost uh that that you're trading off with your decisions right like so you know whether, whether you make something on your own or like you go all in on one thing because it's integrated and works better together or whatever, like that's always a consideration to, uh, to float around. Now, of course, as a vendor, that's what you always want people to consider because it's a very squishy, weird thing. And it's not just uh, a price on, on a piece of software. But I've noticed that people who think a lot more through uh, how, how, how it affects the way that people work better, they, they think a lot differently about their strategy. And then finally, he raises an excellent point, almost almost single-handedly dismissing the ages-old exciting uh, theory of, of data gravity. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone really throw any shade or refutation on it, but it was, it was great. He used all his authority and his intuitive argument to be like, yeah, you know, data gravity is a thing if you're like a spy agency, but like, I don't even know if you could consume that much inf- petabytes of information faster than you could transform it. You know, it, faster than you could apply analysis on it, which was an interesting idea. Of like, well, sure, you're going to have petabytes of data that are locked into some cloud, but like, how much analysis are you going to be doing over all of that stuff that you couldn't just like wait a week to download it or like, you know, ship a hard drive somewhere? Is is that
2: really a concern? Do they do they have a, a an outbound <clears throat> an outbound snowmobile project? I mean, you know, can 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 I call up uh, Azure and be like, can you? Uh, drive over to Amazon and truck over my stuff for me? My stuff. You know, can, <laughs> my stuff. <laughs> can, can, can you do that? I mean, I, seriously, is that like is well, I think a, I, a, a slow I, exfiltration system? I think
1: it's more uh, maybe saying, asking your question a slightly different way. It would just be, does where you want it to go have a Snowmobile-type project? And I think the answer to that is I think a lot of places would come up with some solution to help you truck the right, data right. out if but, that's what but, you needed to. Mm-hmm.
2: But, but do, the, do the public clouds offer exfiltration as a service? Yeah, you know, do they, I mean, you know, other than their various, you know, various security holes, do they do they allow you to, you know, back up a, a tanker of, uh, for and, and, you know, siphon off your data without having to pay massive exit fees? You know, because right now, like egress over the internet, always expensive. Right. So, so the question is, you know, is there a way to get, you know, a cross cable connect between, uh, probably you can find some intermediate middleman. Like an Equinix or somebody who will, you know, do those wires for you, and you know, yeah. they're not paying Microsoft and they're not paying Amazon. You know, the fees you would get. It's probably a business there.
0: You probably, you probably need some sort of five G connection.
2: I think is oh that no, for. We, we're still talking li- hard lines, hard lines. Coding. Well, may,
0: maybe this is an interesting point, Matt Ray. Right? Maybe maybe data gravity is not about time; it's about network egress charges. Like so, so yeah. it's like oh,
2: hey, that that's yeah it it's It's less about time and more about charges and inconvenience, right? So you know physically having to take stuff offline that's inconvenient. Um, you know being able to you know replicate your data o- over the wire that's what everybody wants, but are you gonna get charged out the wazoo for that? And my guess is there's probably some creative ways you know through peering to get around some of that. But yeah, yeah, they probably. I'm going to need just, a cloud like, economist. You
0: probably can't just go to the the data center and bring an Ethernet cable and plug it in somewhere, right? Well, they, but
2: that that's literally to... how Snowmobile works for inbound, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, uh, I I took your data thing, and now you're going to go plug it in, and it's going to show up here for me.
0: I feel right. I feel like I feel like back in the 2010s, in that that weird era of cloud, there was at least one place where this notion of like you could go to their offices. And have like faster direct... Wasn't there like a Google City hub thing? I, like... I,
2: I worked with a a, a data, uh, you know, an early big data startup that literally on Fridays mailed hard drives to Amazon. Like the, you know, they yeah. this was pre-Snowmobile, whatever. There was, you know, a FedEx guy or whatever came by and took a box of hard drives and shipped them to Amazon. You know, and so they had a service there for, you know, literally three and a half inch physical hard drives we're we're going to amazon every week and you know amazon turned that into snowmobile but um yes uh maybe you know maybe it's because we were in austin they couldn't drive to the austin offices and plug in yeah so but, you're, you're, you know,
0: so snowmobile only there's no reverse it, it only has a that's forward. what i'm uh,
2: yeah that's what i'm thinking that you know they probably don't make a you know uh sandmobile or whatever now, like how about that.
0: how about if you use that outpost thing Isn't that, that's edge computing, right? But that's going in. Everything's meant to, like, send
2: stuff, you know, Mm. to the cloud. Mm. No good. Mm. How are we going to get our data
1: out? As I say, we're getting a little feedback. It does seem like if you've got the money that uh, Equinox and other uh, large telcos will let you do um, a cross-connect for a fee. So probably depends if that fee is worth it or not. probably depends on, you know, the level of scale of your enterprise. So probably not something that, like going to do just for you know over the weekend for uh, but something that maybe you need in place for a while to get a bunch of this data out probably you know well, it, I it mean, definitely a, sounds like a done.
2: lot of data so yeah. you know how 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 fast can we x what's the cheapest way to exfiltrate a petabyte that's the real question
1: yeah. Well, I think, yeah. And I, and also too, it's just like, what's like repeatable, right? And if you're doing this a lot, like, or if, I don't know, just, or maybe not repeatable, but maybe it's just sort of like has to be done in a way that you feel like you got all the data. But I think all of these points that you're making here is sort of why, when I read Tim's part there and I liked it, I was like, I don't know. All this FUD is like why people won't do it. It's just like, it kind of scares everyone off. Right. It's just like, yeah, I don't need the data now, but maybe I'll need it later. Or if I don't have it, I feel like I'll put my job in <laughs> jeopardy or, sure i could do all these things but wow that sounds complicated like how do i do a cross connect or how do i do a snowmobile out and it's this it it sort of like makes the argument that these are the reasons there's gravity to that data right it's like people don't want to have to deal with these problems
0: yeah yeah you know i yeah yeah i i I think i think what i still like about what he points to is like and and then you know make sure you're considering how much data you're talking about and what you're going to actually do about it yeah do Mm -hmm. with it because like like, I mean, I, I uh, recently, you know, I've been spending a lot of time using just hunting around when I should be doing something else in like Salesforce and Marketo. I just got access to that. And I'll tell you what, that data it moves slow as shit up in those clouds. <laughs> like, it's, it's funny, like you try to do some reporting in either of those and it just takes forever. And then you go to like Google Analytics super fast, right? So some, somewhere, like, if, if, we could, if we could move that data off, maybe they need to move data off of their clouds onto some other cloud to be faster because boy so slow and uh even if you're just searching for like 90 days it's super slow no good well we've got any bureaucracy this week brandon
1: we do have a few things um one i want to let uh Tim, uh, Tom, know that I sent him some stickers. He's up in Kansas City. So uh, happy to send him some Software Defined Talk stickers. If you'd like Software Defined Talk stickers, all you have to do is email me your postal address at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. And also, you know, we don't talk about this one as much, but every once in a while we just get questions, questions about the show, questions about life, questions you want us to answer for no reason other than you want someone else to send it to questions at software talk.com. We I always enjoy hearing what the listeners want to know more about. And one of the things uh, we've, I found in the Slack this week was uh, Brian recommends uh, the book Amp It Up. This is uh, one of the books, I think, written by uh, our friends over at uh, Snowflake. Anyway, about, I think, the CEO there. So he recommended it. He wants us to read it and maybe review it like we did uh, the uh, Amazon book. So I don't know. Should we read Amp It Up? Let me know if you think it was a good book. We've also talked about reviewing, uh, was it Hit Refresh? The Microsoft book, so I don't know. We'll have to decide, Cote Matt, which one of these uh, we're going to actually take the time to read, or or mm. if or if we haven't found the next book, maybe maybe we need more recommendations on what we should be reading.
0: I, th- I think then, I think both of those we could extract what the story multiplier is. Like yes, that. that will be uh, <laughs>
1: well. That's going to be the name of our book, Story Multiplier. Done, done, and done. <laughs> um, and then finally, we're on the fun side. Uh, there was a fun poll in the Slack about uh, it was the question was how hard should you work your last week at a job? So there was a poll and there was a nice, healthy discussion on, yeah. I think there were four options. One was like, work as hard as you've ever worked. Two was like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, just kind of the general, do your normal thing. Three was like, don't pull a hamstring. And four was uh, just play video <laughs> games. So there was uh, a lot of uh, fun discussion on that. So I won't re- recount it here, but if you care about that, you can go read about it in the Slack.
0: What, what's the uh, What's the Australian practice there? Uh, in, in, that, in that culture. Matt, right? <laughs> they, uh,
2: ch- well, uh, there's always the phrase Chuck a sickie. So, you know, um, uh, pull uh-huh. a sick day or two. Uh, I don't know. You know, um, I, f- I feel yeah. like,
0: I feel like the proper answer with the Australians would be like, I'm going to work as much as I worked every other week. at this job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They, they, they are known for their work ethic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: their life eth- Yeah. Work ethic. Very good. Uh, well, there's, there's some conferences, uh, there's, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com uh, slash 2342, you can see the details. There's that conference. It's been rescheduled to be at the end of May. There's also a call for speakers open for their Wisconsin one. And there's some call for, uh, for speakers. I don't know what slash papers is. Like, are, are you going to submit a paper to it? But I guess that's what a CFP is, right? It's not call for people. Uh, for DevOps, say Chicago and uh, Birmingham there in Alabama. And uh, we're, we're finalizing the dates for our spring tour conferences. I'll, I'll have to go over those once we uh, get them sorted out. And uh, let's see. With that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend?
2: Um. Well, uh, one, one. I don't know if it's a conference or not, but I am starting to do uh, <clears throat> live stream hour or office hours for for TriggerMesh. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know. You twitch lovers out there will will tune in and and uh watch me futz around with trigger mesh and you know installing and and playing with uh, open source software that's always fun oh, um yeah uh, uh, <laughs> well, the idea is you know we'll uh, unveil some some useful stuff and and people will uh start solving their their business problems 'cause mm. you know all this talk about moving data around that's what trigger mesh does yeah you know? but uh anywho. My my recommendation for this week, I, I, I got. Uh, I, I've been watching this show on Netflix called uh, "Living with Yourself." It, it's not new. Uh, Brandon's probably recommended it already. Um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's about uh, uh, Paul Rudd um, as uh, he accidentally clones himself, and um, it's it's a comedy, but also uh, I haven't watched the last episode yet, so maybe it's a horror story. I don't know. You know, it's, uh, it, it's got a little bit of sci-fi to it. So, it, uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, we'll see how the ending lands. That's the problem with all of these, right? Is, uh, mm-hmm. how do, how does it land? But I'm enjoying that for now. Well,
0: uh, yeah. Also, uh, I, I, think we found out that the listeners should also tune in to the first part of your office hours to make sure the mic is working.
2: Right? <laughs> hey, <laughs> the, the first one was, you know, we, 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 we worked out the books.
0: Yeah. yeah. Live live streaming is difficult. I tried to do yes. some live streaming in the kitchen today and it was it was just not just problems. Just always always problems. We're, but we're
2: yeah. sorting it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's fun stuff. Well, uh how about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend?
2: A couple
1: things. First is I want to uh recommend uh a Datadog dashboard this week that I've been using today. It's uh, it's been icy here in Texas, so of course I'm very concerned about the power. So some enterprise uh Datadog user uh, I think it's uh, Daniel Lamando, if I'm saying that right. He created a whole Datadog dashboard that tracks ERCOT's uh, up to the second, if you will, utilization of electricity. So I've had that up today just to make sure I'm aware of any potential outages. And so uh, I think it's a great use of Datadog, not a sponsor or anything like that, but that's great. And I guess you know I, I would expect there to be the open source Graphite version available, but <laughs> no, nope, it isn't. There's just a Datadog version. So they good got a free job, tier, man. Free, free <laughs> tiers, practically open source. That's right. <laughs> good job, Daniel. Keep up the good work. And then um, I think a lot of people have probably heard about this, but didn't, we didn't get to it in the show. But I just, uh, I really enjoy playing Wordle. It's uh, the game that's uh, probably annoying your Twitter feed where everyone posts their results. Muted. And I think it's it's a fun little word game. It's, you just play once a day. And then, of course, uh, you know, who doesn't like an overnight success story that the New York Times bought Wordle for low, I think they said low seven figures. So congratulations to the person that created this game as a side project and then stumbling into uh, what's a probably pretty good uh, payday. And I don't know, we'll yeah. have to see. We'll have to assume what uh, he, he got I, out, he, out of Amazon evaluation. or something. Yeah. Go ahead, what was that?
2: I was just saying, like, he chose the right time to, you know, exit. Like, you strike while the iron's hot and you get that money. Um, yeah. You know, you there's no day two IQ for you.
1: And I think it's going to fit right in with all the other New York Times word games. So there's the crossword. I forget the other one. It's like a beehive. I don't know. So it's fun. So I like it's it. Wordle. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I see some people in the Slack playing it. or I, I see them posting it on Twitter. So it is fun. And it's just and it's also pretty short because you just play once a day and then, you know, you just that's it. So a very simple little game. So check out Wordle if you haven't been inundated with it already.
0: Well, ho- hopefully, they'll be expanding into uh, uh, enterprise infrastructure, podcast, and news.
2: Hey, <laughs> stay in your lane. Stay be- in your lane. No, That's they're right.
0: going to beef up their portfolio with, with That's that. Right. Well, we oh, can okay.
1: negotiate a, a low seven figure play out, I guess, is if if need
0: be. Well, I think it'll it'll need to be a low uh eight figure payout because each of us because that was only one person right yeah
1: we all want seven <laughs> figures okay. so we're
0: basically like i mean that so you've mm-hmm. you've established that one person is worth low seven figures so we are three so now that's that's the, <laughs> that's our story and that's why there should be a multiple all
1: right well that's that's back to the multiple it's uh story times it's earnings times multi- oh, well i don't have any well we don't have earnings we have a big story behind it so i like that yeah, we've got great good earnings
0: work. good momentum brandon i mean absolutely yeah, I'll always always uh uh Cagger or something. <laughs> well, uh I I have a a, a, a uh, my recommendation is a uh, as a podcast uh called uh you know you know that Rand's guy. I I don't really know what yep. his name is, but he has a podcast with some other person. I actually haven't done the research to know who they are, which is fine. I got stuff going on in my life. And uh, it's called The Important Thing Podcast and for some reason I think it like sprung back to life. Like over oh, the yeah. last six months, and so it's fun. It's like uh, it's it's like it's like old school podcasting where where just two people kind of talk a little bit about nothing, and uh, every now every now and then they make it they make a big deal about a, a big big deal about nothing, and then talk about some relevant things every now Drunk, and then. Drunker some and retireder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're much more professional and uh, you know more polished. It's good stuff, but you know, check that out if you want some soothing people talking about nothing in the tech world podcast well speaking of soothing podcasts, you have been soothed by another episode of software defined talk you can get the show notes for this episode's episodes if you go to software slash 342 and uh, check out everything we got going on there and you know like and subscribe bye-bye bye-bye
1: Hey, well, you know, as we get started here and we figure out the topics, one thing I wanted to ask you both was, uh, you know, I've been trying to uh, to do some digital uh, transformation in my own Mac here, and I'm trying to decide which of these, like, all the uh, file sharing services that I'm, like, using. All of them. And so my – it feels like Dropbox, is they're they're not keeping up with the times, so I'm, I'm about ready to kick them off. Like, I don't want to use them. I'll use them continuously for the show notes because I like that part, but I don't want oh. them anymore for uh, – file syncing I just wanted I wanted to take a quick poll amongst the software defined talk enterprise what file sharing services one what are you using and then more importantly what what do you actually want to use what are you like what is your if you could use anything what would you use not the forced uh (laughs) being forced to so coach (laughs) which file sharing services are you using
0: well I have uh you know I work at uh at VMware so I have OneDrive yep I have that thing and and then, I mean, you want me to be exhaustive? And then I also have uh, the Adobe Drive because I use Creative Suite stuff. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if I have that turned on, but like I have it, so to speak. And then um, I don't really have Dropbox anymore, except for what. Um, for our show notes and paper we should we need to move off of that but i know i I want to move
1: off that too but like i think we continue to use paper because it has the nice markup but we don't have to do any file syncing it just becomes like a a pretty editor for us unless you know of a better uh i think i think what we need to do is
0: use we need to use like hack md or something and i think i think if we do that that also means that like other people can participate or i don't know this uh, you you do community management right matt ray so i'm sure you can prattle on about community or something yeah
2: (laughs) yeah. <laughs> anyways I, i'll, I'll see i up. have seen hack md yes oh well, I yeah, did, yeah. I i'm just happy that
1: you you're you're with me then so dropbox were i don't know well let me ask matt yeah. matt like where are you at are well you,
0: and then i also uh, have uh i well i have google drives yeah uh, i have that right because yep. we since, since i'm from pivotal i have google drive because we use google okay and then finally the one that i wish I that i use and i wish i only use is i just use icloud because you know i have the uh Please, Apple, take my money account for the. Family. Okay,
1: so that okay, so, that's you're very kind of close that. to me. So I'm getting rid of Dropbox. Just gonna use it for that. I do have oh. Google, uh, Google, and then I use OneDrive. But I'm just making that a work thing. That that's good for the office. Mm-hmm. So it's really True. down to iCloud, which I use. I've already paid for, or Google. So so now, Matt, now now this you're the third wheel here. So we're gonna share software-defined talk information. Are you? What are you using? Are you are you a Google person? A Dropbox person? I can't imagine you're an iCloud person, but I guess that's possible.
2: I'm all of the above. Well, I'm not OneBox okay. I mean, I'm not Box.com. Is that a thing? I'm not that. Yeah,
1: you're not Box.com. Okay.
2: No, nobody's that anymore.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, what and, happened to those? And you're those not people. OneDrive. It sounds like you're not a Microsoft.
2: I'm not a Microsoft. Person, okay. So now so, what? Are,
1: okay. What are you left? So we're left with um, Google. Go ahead.
2: My yeah. My wife and I have been using Dropbox forever. Yeah, uh, what was that?
0: Yeah. Uh, that was just some volume I messed up everything okay <laughs>
2: um and uh we are now a hundred percent apple family um so uh we have five iphones five macs and uh, i added the iCloud and nobody uses it <laughs> well they'll use the backup right they'll use uh, backup maybe for sure. maybe oh, yeah, i don't definitely. know like no. it, it's so freaking obtuse i was like okay um, I I I I pay for I bet this. you're
1: all using the backup. You don't even. They don't even know they're no, doing it. No no no. iCloud backup. I
2: went, I went to Photos and I was like, I try to like tell it to back to iCloud and it grays out. I don't know why. But mm. I still I'm still getting billed. It still shows up in like the the system settings or whatever. And there's like. 23 gigabytes of storage are used instead of like the 200 that I'm paying for. And I, and I, I started with the 200 plan knowing that I'd probably go up if everyone like started backing up their photos, but I don't know. I invited the family. I think my wife declined the invite. You know, it was just like, what? Well, you
1: should definitely, everybody that's that, this is a little get ahead of it. Like you should at a minimum, the photo is kind of different, but like just make sure everyone's backing up their phone to iCloud. I mean, if not, because that's the way you want to like back restore all your new phones and stuff. That's like,
2: yeah. well, yeah, I so you, I, I gotta
1: think you're doing it, but or the, I don't know. I have to go back and look because I think it kind of almost does it because everyone gets five gigs bought for free yeah, and it'll yeah. just turn on. So you def- definitely, I don't know. I would definitely. All right. So
2: I, I got the new iPhone here and.
1: Hold on. Wait a minute before we get off that. So, okay. So now the three of us. Okay. How should we share docs? It sounds like it's either Google docs or iCloud.
2: What's wrong with what? Oh, I don't care.
1: Matt, that's it, that's I don't know. That's a dangerous position I, I, to take.
2: I've never heard that you
0: can share docs in iCloud. I did it. it.
1: I've done it the other day, but but I'm a little bit suspicious that, of it. I've done it with... with uh... Natural.
2: <laughs> natural. <laughs> <laughs> it's against nature's way to remotely share files with people across the planet. Nature does, abhors that. That's is it,
0: actually... the, now, is this another side project you have with like uh, Brian Gracely? We're, we're going to start using iCloud to share documents.
1: No, I'm just trying to get rid of Dropbox off my computer. Oh, okay. And we have—I cool. don't know—you probably, you guys probably don't look at it as much, but we have some—we have a software-defined type folder it has Dropbox that we share. And yeah, I just yeah. sort of like—I want to get rid of it. That's the last thing I have. I've gotten rid of everything else out well, of Dropbox, so yeah. I want to get rid. Of, I want to. So I mean, so this is what I want to do. I either want to move it to Google Cloud, yeah, right? Yeah. Or I want to move it to Dropbox. But I was like, I don't know. What do you? What, what do you each use or want to use?
0: For for share, but but is this is for our show notes?
1: Yeah, no, no, no. The show notes will remain in. Oh, that's going to yeah. stay there because that has the the one feature that Dropbox yeah, has yeah. is okay. markup. Okay. But everything else, there's all these other, you know, various documents. We, or yeah, just, should... you know what? The fact that you're saying that maybe that means like you don't even care about those files, and maybe I should just be like no, I can just move you know, those wherever I want.
0: We should just we should put them on iCloud. That's that's where they should go. All right, iCloud. Cause...
1: Matt, you're in with that iCloud.
2: Yeah, that's fine
1: okay yeah, all right, right. Well, and I, okay. I mean
0: i think i think uh yeah you see so you know you get the apple one as noted here in the comments it is it does seem expensive thirty dollars a month but you just get everything and two terabytes for your whole family it's great That's i think the twenty
1: dollar thing i i just have the 200 gigs 20 bucks it's perfect i mean i think yeah, yeah, yeah great yeah, deal yeah. depends yeah. on your size of your family i only have three three people on it so we still got about fifty, sixty gigs of unused storage in there, which is great.
2: Yeah, yeah. My, my family is exactly past the free limit, and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and of then, course,
1: of so course, when it, right.
0: When I migrated from Dropbox to iCloud, here's here's another little tip. You reminded mm-hmm. me of this, Brandon. Is like we use OneDrive at VMware, right? Yeah. So i I've sure, been huh? I've been storing like all my podcast and video production stuff in Dropbox, which is a lot. And then I realized, like, ah those are work things. So I'm going to store them on the work drive. And that freed yeah. up a ton of space. Yep. You just drag that over there and go on a long dog walk and come back. And then you'd get like, it's, it's all, it's all set.